Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. This morning, I just feel led to, to talk in this direction for a number of reasons. But as you know, this last year, we have been uh, talking about kingdom. It's been our, our theme. It's been our, our uh, main focus of, of teaching and, and preaching. And just talking about the kingdom, what the kingdom is, why is there a kingdom, what's the plan, who's the king, who's the king? That was easy. Only half of you were said it with with gusto though. So who's the king? There we go, there we go. We've been talking about what a kingdom is, how we fit into the kingdom. We've been just kind of, you know, talking about a number of different uh, theories, you know, not theories, but uh, we've been talking about it in theory. How does this work? This morning, it was really on my heart is to talk about it practically. How does this start to apply for us here at River Valley Christian Church? And, you know, many of you have heard a lot of this before, and, uh, but it's good to hear it again because faith cometh by and hearing the word of God, hearing it over and over again, getting it down into your spirit, seeing it from another direction, and so that you're able to understand even on a deeper level of what uh, what it means and how how it applies to our life. In Acts chapter one, we have uh, the situation where Jesus is ready to leave. He's uh, he's died on the cross. He spent a number of days with his disciples. He's revealed himself to over five hundred people. He's uh, done all kinds of amazing things, and now he's getting ready to leave. And he's giving them kind of last-minute instructions about here's what's going to happen. Here's, here's what's going to happen from this point forward. Here's where I want you to go. And they asked him a question. His, his disciples asked him a question because they knew from the very beginning that his whole message was kingdom. His first message, his very first public speaking was, the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is near you. Then he began, the more he preached, the more he demonstrated, he said, the kingdom of God is among you. He's he's around you. At the end of his ministry, and after they were catching a revelation of who he was, uh, he asked them one day, he says, who do do people say that I am? And they said, well, a prophet or Elijah or this or that. They said, well, who do you say that I am? And and Peter said, he says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And, and, And Jesus said, well, man did not reveal that to you. God revealed that to you. And shortly after that, he preached a sermon where he says, the kingdom of God is in you. So he went from the kingdom of God is near to the kingdom of God is, is around or amongst you. And now he's saying the kingdom of God is in you. And so he had been preaching the kingdom for three whole years. Sermon after sermon, he talked about the kingdom. And he explained the kingdom in so many different ways. Now, they had a, a, uh, an idea of what he was talking about. They had a concept of what kingdom meant. And they had a concept of what they thought was going to happen. And as they read the Old Testament prophets, because they had heard that for years, the Old Testament prophets said that when the Messiah comes, he was taken over. He was going to establish the kingdom. He was going to make everything right. He was going to get rid of their enemies, and he was going to reestablish the kingdom. And so now they're getting excited because, you know, here Jesus has been preaching this and he's, it keeps building and the crowds are getting bigger and then all of a sudden he gets killed. Now that was kind of a wrinkle they weren't expecting. But then, praise God, he raises from the dead. That's cool. 
So obviously, anybody who can raise from the dead has the ability to establish the kingdom. And so they're ready. They're, they're ready for this to happen. And so the uh, Acts chapter 1 here picks up at that point. It says, Then they gathered around him, verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, I'm going to get excited today, so you may want to take, it, take the volume down just a tad. I'll be popping and yelling. and it, <laughs> See, I'm still doing it. Gracious, good. And I lowered even more. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So they asked him, Lord, when are you going to establish the kingdom? Well, he said, it's not for you to know. Well, the problem was, or the situation was, he'd already established the kingdom. The kingdom was established. The kingdom was restored. Now, they were thinking an earthly kingdom. They were thinking borders. They were thinking Israel. They were thinking the 12 tribes. And, and Jesus and God, their plan was so much bigger than that. Praise God. Because his kingdom involved us. His kingdom was outside of their you know, small understanding that it was Jerusalem, Jude, you know, the, the country of Israel, you know, the influence that they had, the 12 tribes had. His idea was so much better because his idea was to restore all mankind back to him. And we've talked about this before, that when Adam and Eve were, were placed on the earth, when they, were, uh, when they were created, God created them, he gave them a job. And that job was to, to take dominion over the earth, to rule and reign. They were supposed to be, we were supposed to be the rightful rulers of the earth. And so they started out that way. They, they started out over their small area, Garden of Eden. And it was supposed to expand. The more there were, the more that they, the influence that they had, the more that they were supposed to have dominion over the earth. Well, there was this little problem called sin. Little problem. That crept in because man wanted, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't trust God. He wanted to trust some talking snake more than he trusted God. And he gave away that right to be ruler. When he put his trust in Satan, when he put his trust in what Satan said rather than what God was saying, he turned over that authority to be ruler of the earth to Adam and Eve, or to Satan. From that moment forth, praise God for, for what, what God said to Adam, what he said to Eve, what he said to the snake. He told the snake, he says, he goes, you might bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. One who is coming, the seed of Abraham, the seed, or the seed of Adam, is going to crush that your head. He's gonna, that means he's going to take away that authority. When he died on the cross, he took that authority back because he was obedient to God even unto death. And it, a lot of theology getting thrown here real quick, huh? But as he was obedient unto death, 
He took back that authority and then gave it back to us. And said, now you go and take, take dominion. You live like you're in the kingdom. Be kings and priests. You know, and the whole Old Testament is a picture of how that's supposed to work. We are kings and priests. The problem is we don't always live like it. But here Jesus is saying, you know, don't worry about this earthly kingdom. Because the kingdom has already started. And, I, and here's what I want you to do. Go in to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh, uh, the uttermost parts of the world, and spread this kingdom. How does the kingdom spread? Not by sword and spear conquest. It expands by one person telling another, one person telling a group, and them believing in their heart that Jesus is the Christ. Being born again, and the kingdom expands. We also have influence. We've talked a lot about that. <clears throat> How we have influence over the area that God has placed us. Whether it be our home, whether it be our neighborhood, whether it be our workplace or the school that, or those classrooms that we're in, whether it be our community, our, our region, our state. We have influence by being Christ, being the anointed ones in that area. Wherever God places you, wherever he sends you to, you can be an influence for the kingdom. We've talked about all this. It's just a review of all the things we've talked about so far. So how is that <clears throat> specifically working here where we are, here at River Valley Christian Church, here with this group of people, here in, this, in our area? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Jerusalem. Jesus said, go and, and, and uh, let's, I want to get the exact wording here. So you will receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, those four things are, are very specific. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But, and we can take them literally, and we do take them literally. That's what they did. First they started being a witness in Jerusalem. Then they got scattered and they went to other places, Judea and beyond, even the uttermost parts of the world, known world at that time. But here we are in 21st century America. How does that apply to us? How do we fulfill that commission? How do we go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth? Well, we're doing that here at River Valley. That is, we take that, I take that very seriously, and, and we take that very seriously. And when Pastor Dan and Claudia started this church, they took that very seriously. And they, they started acting out on that command to be an influence, to, to take the kingdom into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What does that mean? Well, we can take it literally, like I say, or we can look at this in a, in a uh, metaphoric way. I want to go backwards. Look at the first one. The first one is the ends of the earth. That's how, you know, Jesus said, go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Well, ends of the earth is foreign. Someplace maybe you've never been before. Someplace a long way off. Why? Because God knew... That if it was left up to man, we wouldn't go anywhere. 
we'd build a house, we'd put a garden in, we'd put a fence around that garden, and everybody stay out. Come on, guys. Most of us, well, not me. See, my, my voice going, not you. <laughs> you know, you're always gone. But most people don't like to leave. Most people don't like, oh, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to use the, the six-letter word, change. Is that six letters? I did the math really quick. <laughs> people don't, <laughs> but I did spell it right, yeah. Change. People don't like to change. People don't like to get outside their comfort zone. The early church was no different. It took persecution to get them out of Jerusalem. They weren't leaving Jerusalem. They were still there. It took, it took persecution to get them moving and to go into Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Samaria, or uh, uh, the uttermost parts of the earth are actually that. The uttermost parts, parts you've way outside of your comfort zone, way outside of where you would normally go. Why should we care about anybody overseas? I mean, we don't know them, right? We don't have a relationship. I've never heard of them before. I don't know them personally. Why should I care one bit what happens to somebody overseas? outside of our country, outside of our, our uh, normal stomping grounds? Well, the reason is not because I care so much, but because God cares. And he's commanded us. He knows that there, are, there is a, there's a specific purpose for people to leave their hometown and to go to the uttermost parts. One reason is, is to get you out of your comfort zone and to have to walk by faith. And to have to believe God that he's going to supply your needs and that he's going to take care of you and that he's going to lead you and guide you. The other reason is some people on the other side of the earth need to know that they're part of something bigger than what they experience themselves. We need to know we're big of something, a part of something bigger. They need to know. They, some people need somebody from the outside to come in and say, hey, there's a different way to live. Now, that's not my plan. I like the plan. I enjoy traveling. But it wasn't my plan. It's God's plan. He tells us to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. And uttermost, you know, uttermost can be anywhere. Uttermost. There's been people here all over the world. Been preached the gospel in Thailand, right? Thailand, Philippines, South America, Europe, Africa. I mean, we could, you know, people from all have, have, have been in different places following this very command. But what about us now? Who are we? You know, and and wh what do we do as River Valley Christian Church? What do we do to help fulfill that part of God's vision? Well, God's put on our heart the Eastern Bloc nations of Europe. Why? For no other reason than because he's led us there. He, you know, by, by a series of events. And then this is not the, the time or the sermon, sermon to share all those events. I'd like to because I want to share the events about something else here in just a moment. But, you know, 1992, Roger and Myrna Eilers and Pastor Karen Haynes moved from when, when the Iron Curtain fell in 1991. The, the Iron Curtain was wide open. Belarus, you could go in and start a church. You could preach anywhere. You could do anything. You could go into schools. You could go anywhere and preach the gospel. The opportunity arose. They moved there. They sold everything and moved to Belarus. They lived there from four to five years, 
and uh, established a church, established a, a Bible school, did a, the ho- training people all over the place to do different kinds of ministries, turned it over to the local people, and then stepped out. Ever since then, Abundant Life Church in River Falls and this church here has been a part of that relationship, that fellowship, that ministry, because God's helped us to to develop relationships. Remember our vision, the vision for River Valley Christian Church is building relationships through discipleship to advance the kingdom of God. It's about relationships, it's about people. And we're having a relationship with them. And because God has helped us to establish relationships with them, it's continued on. From there, then Roger and Myrna moved on to Poland. Established a Bible school there. So roots got set down there. People started ministering in different places. But it seemed like Eastern Bloc part of Europe. Why? Why Eastern Bloc part, why Eastern Bloc part of Europe? Well, number one, for 70 years it had been atheist. That was the rule of the law. That was the rule of the day. You, can't, you couldn't talk about God. So when that stopped, when that ended, there was a void that was ripe for the kingdom of God to go in, and people were hungry. I mean, hundreds of people getting saved at every meeting. Powerful times. So then from there... Uh, we started working with them. We've started being involved in different ministries. We, we, we had a heart for Europe. Pastor Dan had a heart for Europe. Um, I got a heart for Europe from, from those relationships, from ministering there. Went there on a mission trip, met the people, got to meet Pastor Pavel and Irina, and we met them this last spring during our 25th anniversary. Then through a series of events, we met Ra, uh, uh, Dan and Marta Lewis. Dan and Marta Lewis were ministering in Hungary and Romania, Serbia, different places. And they, because of that relationship that, that carried through even some real hard times for them, and I, we don't have time to go into all of those stories, they needed somebody to come alongside them, and they were ready to quit the ministry. And Pastor Karen and the team, when they were there uh, ministering with them, said, Hey, wait a second, we're here. This is about relationship. This is about life together. And so, uh, so they then became part of us. And we started traveling in 19, or 2004. Pastor Greg and I and, and uh, uh, Brian Eager and Pastor Dan went over. And I met pa- uh, Dan and Marta officially for the very first time. I had seen them in different meetings and been in the same room as them, but I had never met them. And my heart fell in love with them and what God was doing through them ministering in Hungary and Romania. From there, now we're, we're working with the... And, and in two weeks, we're taking a team to Romania to work with the children in the village, in the gypsy village. Working with these people in the middle of what seems to be the opulence of, of Europe who are living literally in a third world country. Mud floors. Absolute squalor. Helping them, teaching them, training them, encouraging them. It means so much to them that we come around them and we continue to be in relationship with them because they realize that they're important. They're important to the kingdom of God. Even though they're in the middle of nowhere, seemingly. And so that continues on. So how do we do that? How do we go into the uttermost parts? We as a church at this point, that's where we go. We've gone into Western Europe through Vision Europe and helping there. And that's a whole, you know, we could talk about that in and of itself. But I want to get into something else. 
uttermost parts of the earth. How do we do that? How do we physically do that? Well, number one, we pray. We pray on a regular basis for those people. I pray. We have teams of people who pray. Hopefully you're praying. If not, we need to get more information into your hands so you can pray. Praying for them and praying that God moves in their hearts and touches them and opens doors of utterance and so on and so forth. Number two, we go. Physical, you know, actually going there physically is powerful. It changes you and it changes them. It helps them. It encourages them. They, you know, actually hugging somebody. When you, when you physically hug somebody and you, and you laugh with them and you cry with them, it, you become a part of them. They are us. We are them. And God has a plan for that area that's so much bigger than even I understand at this point. And I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on over there. It's bigger than that. It's powerful. So we, we, we pray, we go, but we also help financially. As the Lord leads. This is not, just to let you know, this is not a sermon title, you know, an offering sermon. I'm not getting ready to, you know, you can give anytime you want. That's not why we're talking about it. But you give. That's the other way. We give towards the things that are going on there because it helps to further. It costs money to build and to, and to have materials and to teach and to travel and all the things that goes on. It takes finances to do that. So that's going, that's how we go into the uttermost parts of the earth. Back up another one. Samaria. Remember, it was go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What is Samaria? And I've said this before here, but I'll, I'll, I'll re-say it and, re, and rekindle that understanding, and rekindle that heart for this. Samaria. Who were the Samaritans? The Samaritans at that point in history were the outcasts. They were half Jewish and half something else. But because they were half Jewish and half something else, the Jews despised them. Because they weren't supposed to have relationships with people outside of their country. And it was a, strictly forbidden for them to do that. They hated the Samaritans. When, when Jesus went to Samaria, people were like, what are you doing here? And especially when he talked to a Samaritan woman, they're like, you know, oh my gosh, it was scandalous. You remember, if you remember right, it was the Samaritans that John and James wanted to call down fire on. You remember that? They knew how to take care of Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans. They didn't want to go to Samaria. Nobody went to Samaria. You went around Samaria. So when Jesus preached the sermon about Samaria and, and about the Samaritan who, who was the, uh, the, the, the neighbor who helped the man who was hurt, a Samaritan helped him. Hello. That was outside of the norm. They were looked down on. They were despised. Nobody wanted to be there. But here, Jesus is telling them, go to Samaria. Ooh, Samaria. What is Samaria for us? Samaria is the place you don't want to go. He tells us to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. For some of us, that's cool. That's fun. That's exciting. But sometimes he tell us, tells us to go where we don't want to go. I don't want to go to Samaria. 
There's some places I don't want to go. But I've noticed that whenever I say I don't want to go somewhere, where's the next place I end up? But God does that. He does take, you know, uh, I've heard tons of sermons about calling and, and people in vision and people, you know, being led by God. And, and, and I've even said it myself sometimes, God will never take you where you don't want to go. That's a lie. <laughs> there are times where he will take you where you don't want to go. There are times where he will change your heart to where you'll go, where you'll go there. Uh, very small, and this may seem you know, nothing to you, it may seem really, but it was huge to me. One of the places that I hated to go, I mean, I hated it. I really, really despised doing it. I didn't like doing it. Every time I, was, I got a phone call that said I had to go there, it bothered me, was hospitals. You know, I know some people, man, they have a hospital ministry, man. They just, whoo, somebody's sick, let's go. They can hardly get there. You know, I would hear somebody sick and I'd think, call Pastor Kevin. You know, I mean, this is over at Abundant Life. Call somebody else. I don't want to go. To, the people are sick there. You know, you don't want, you got to wash your hands. You know, you got, you got those, I knew where all of the uh, antiseptic things were, you know, those uh, foamy things. Ugh, I hated how, what do you say to sick people? How you doing? No, you don't want to tell. I don't. You don't want to ask them how you're doing. Hello, I'm sick. You know, duh. I could tell you some stories of my early times being in hospitals, but I can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. Filter, filter, filter. But I just, I didn't like going there. And then something very interesting happened. My wife and son spent five weeks in a hospital. Five weeks in intensive care. Five weeks around sick people. Oh, sorry, we were the sick people. And the thing that was the most amazing to me was during that five weeks, I lost all fear and all, all despise of going into hospitals and ministering to people. God changed me. Now, did God do that so that I would change? No. Life happens. Life happens, they ended up there, but God used that situation to change me. I had people say some amazing things, minister to us in such powerful ways, that I went, oh, that's why we come here. That's why we do that. That's why, I, I, that's why we need to go to the hospital and minister to I get it now, because there were some things I needed to hear that I didn't, wasn't getting myself. There was encouragement that I needed to receive. There was all these things that I needed to get that, that other people had to bring into me because all I had the energy to do was survive the moment. Now, I also heard people say some really dumb things. <laughs> I was just like, really? You know, the worst one is, I know exactly what you're going through. No, you don't. You have no idea what I'm going through or what she's going through or what he, you know. So, you know, there's things I learned what to say and things I learned not what to say. There was things that it just, it meant so much. Now, I get a phone call that somebody's in the hospital. If that's what I'm supposed to do, I am there in a moment. It doesn't bother me a bit. I can hang out there all day long. Just to give you a really quick update, uh, we've been having a prayer request for <clears throat> Justin's grandfather. He's been in the hospital in the intensive care for almost the most part of a month and a half. 
perfectly healthy one moment, everything started shutting down the next. Not, not a heart attack, it just his body started shutting down. They got him to the hospital. They immediately rushed him down to um, United, put him in intensive care. The doctors had no idea what was going on, no, no idea whatsoever. His body just kept shutting down and then complications from that. And then he got better and then he got worse. And then he got better and then he got worse. Friday morning I got a, a text saying that they thought that was pretty much it and they were going to have to turn off the life support. So I was down there for most part of the day on Friday morning just hanging out with them and praying with them and talking and giving them counsel. You know, they asked some questions and I was able to talk with them. Talk them and they decided, you know what, we're going to put it in the hands of God. His desires were not to continue all the life support. So they turned off the life support on Friday morning with the idea that if God wanted to heal him, he could. God can do anything, even after you turn off the life support. Well, as of this morning, I got a text at 920. He's, he's continued to improve every hour. Go figure. There must be something to this Jesus thing. Go where you don't, go where you don't want to go. God will lead you some places, and he'll, cha- he'll change your heart. Do you know that I didn't want to come here? No, <laughs> today, no, not, today I wanted to come here. <laughs> nice. No, overall, I didn't want to come to River Valley Christian Church. I was at Abundant Life Church, the big brother of this little sister. And it was the big cool church with a gymnasium. And this was the little church that we started. I mean, it started the year we, we moved to this area. River Valley. I don't want to go there. One day, and for years, I just kind of looked, looked out my nose at River Valley. And, you know, I mean, I hate to admit that, but it's true. And then, one day, I was driving by, because we were doing a, a construction project over at Abundant Life, and I was driving by, and as I drove by, I saw the church sign, I saw the building, and it, for the very first time in all of those years, I went, Wow. I could go there. I could, be, I could be there, which was really important that God changed my heart because the next week, Pastor Dan called me and asked if me if I would come here. <laughs> and now I couldn't think of anywhere else to be in my whole entire life. Go where God doesn't want you to go. He'll help you. He'll get you there. But it's important. Why? Because it'll help you. It changes you. It causes you to be more obedient to, and to, be, to honor him. You know, in, in, and it's outside of your comfort zone because it wasn't your choice. I mean, you know, everybody wants to be in the big cool, you know, the greatest and great, you know, latest and greatest and the most wonderful and everybody's happy. He never, you know, none of us wants to go to the where? You want us to go to Samaria? But when we do that by faith, as he leads us, it'll change us. And it'll cause the kingdom to grow in our own lives and in the world. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The next one I want to talk about, and here's where I really want to spend all my time. Judea. Judea is the region in which you live. How big is a region? It could be an area bigger than your city or your country. It might be a geographical designation. It may be the state, be a state or a group of states. It might be the bigger area of where you live. Twenty years ago, when I was at Abundant Life Church, I was in a prayer meeting one night, 
And I began, I was praying for, we were just, I was just there to be praying with everybody else that was praying. I was just a guy, I was going through college. I wasn't pastor, I wasn't anything. I was just a guy. And we were praying, and as, I, as we were praying that night, it was the first time it had ever happened. All of a sudden, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord had me pray for the St. Croix Valley. Now I knew that Pastor Dan's vision, and Pastor Dan was the pastor of the church at that time, this was over 20 years ago, I knew that Pastor Dan's vision was for this area. Not this area on this side of the river, but for 10 cities, is what he would always share, 10 cities on the other side of the river. And at that time, I went, you know, that night when I started to pray, I, I started praying that God would move in the river valley. That God would bring revival to the, to the river valley. And that he would do something powerful, that he would save lives, he would heal bodies, he would, he would restore things back to the kingdom that had been lost. And for, you know, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, I, I say, prayed that out, basically prophesied it out, praying for the river valley. Now at that time, go ahead and put up the first slide if, you, if, if that works, if you can get there. Well, it's not going to work. But that's okay, leave that one up there. At the very first time, my understanding of the valley, praying for the valley, was Pearson, St. Croix County. Why? Because that's where I lived. That's the area that I was in. That's where the church was in River Falls, which is right there is the line. I, we lived one block north of the dividing line. South of it was uh, Pierce County. North of it was St. Croix County. So that was my understanding of the valley. There was a river that ran through, the Kinnikinnick River. Runs right through River, Va river Falls. And so I thought, it's the Kinnikinnick Valley. That's what I was thinking. When I, when, I was prophesying, when, you're, when I was praying it out, that's what I was thinking. This is the valley. That's the river valley. And so I, you know, very, it was powerful. I mean, it moved me. I was like, wow. And other people were amening. It was wonderful. And I prayed that God would move powerfully in the St. Croix River Valley. Or in the, in the valley. <clears throat> began to pray that on a regular basis. Even when I became the youth pastor there, at different times when we would have prayer meetings with the youth, that would come out many times. I would pray that out. When I was by myself, I'd pray that out. Praying that God would move in the, in the valley. Move in this area. Pray for revival. God, you did revival in, in, in New York, you know, in, in, in upstate New York. And all the, the, everybody in the whole town got saved. God, do that here. Do that in River Falls. Do that in this area. Everybody gets saved. You know, you did that in, in all these different parts. And I had heard different testimonies of people who had prayed ahead of revivals and said amazing things. Somebody said one time, give me Scotland or let me die. And God gave them Scotland. Everybody got saved. Huge revival. Massive move of God. So I thought, well, if he can pray that, why can't we pray that? So I started praying that. Lord, give us Pearson, St. Croix County regular basis. Now, every day we just kept doing what we were doing. I kept doing what I was doing, but nothing seemed to change. No big revival. No, you know, you'd hear things every once in a while. People, somebody would get saved. Somebody would get healed. But it wasn't this whoo explosion of everything. But I kept praying it as the Lord led. And then, this church got started. And, and through a series of events, we ended up here. So all of a sudden I went, wait a second. There's more than one valley in this area. There's the St. Croix Valley. Huh. Isn't that amazing? So then as I prayed, that, that would stir up. And I'd start praying for the St. Croix River Valley. 
God was expanding my understanding. My, you know, he didn't change his, his mind. He's just expanding mine. Helping me to understand better what he wanted to do. So I began praying for Pierce, St. Croix, and Washington County. And I'd pray that on a regular basis when we were here for prayer meetings at different times. And we'd be praying about this and that would come up. Lord, I'm praying for the St. Croix River Valley. Pierce, St. Croix, Washington. Well, then one day, I still remember it, we were in a service here, and the, Lord, and the Lord had me sharing along that line. I said, hey, I've been praying for this. At that time, it was probably about 12 years. I said, the Lord's been having me pray for this area. And I was talking about prayer and about the importance of prayer and so on. I was the senior pastor at that time, so I was talking about vision and why we should be praying. And I said, you know, so let's pray that right now. Lord, let's, I pray for the St. Croix River Valley. I pray for, for Pierce County and St. Croix County and Washington County and Polk County. I went, Polk County? I had never prayed for Polk County before. I was, that's right, I suppose that would be in the valley, wouldn't it? You know, I mean, that's Polk County. And then the Lord started saying, there's a lot of places in the valley that you're not thinking about. So I repented, kept praying. Time went on. About a little over 10 years ago, we started a, a prayer meeting down at City Hall, which still runs today. It's been over 10 years. Every Wednesday, a group of folks from here and then smattering of folks from other places meet down there and pray. Every Wednesday noon. Write that down. Every Wednesday at noon. At City Hall, Stillwater City Hall, upstairs, right? It's where everybody meets now. You guys are meeting upstairs. Praying upstairs and praying for the valley. Praying for St. Croix Valley. But when, I, when we started that ten, over 10 years ago, we were in one of those meetings. And I was praying and all of a sudden here comes that prayer again. And I started praying for Pearson, St. Croix County and Washington County and Polk and, you know, as the Lord led. And I prayed for, for a revival and for a restoration and for healing and all those sort of things. And at that time, there was a lady who was going to that prayer meeting who afterwards came up to me and said, that was really cool that you were praying out the prophecy. And I said, uh, prophecy, what prophecy? She goes, you know, the prophecy that you were praying out. I said, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, you've never heard about the prophecy. I said, no, never have. She goes, I'll get you a copy of it. Well, a copy of it's up there. You can't read the words, but the, uh, the picture, you'll be able to see the picture as I read this. This was a prophecy that was given to me. This was, I'll just read it. In 1948, two prophetic words were given by two different individuals who did not know or had never heard of each other. The first was given in Spooner, Wisconsin, by a missionary from an independent missions group, and six months later, the second was given in Luck, Wisconsin, by an Assembly of God's missionary. One couple who had heard both prophecies said they were almost word for word as they were given. The prophecy basically stated that just before Jesus comes, a revival would start at the... That a revival would start at the head of the St. Croix River. And continue southward down the entire river. They stated that the effect of this revival would reach out 
a hundred miles on each side. A hundred miles on each side of the river and continue until Jesus comes. They also stated that in, in its path, several of the cities would be one entirely for the Lord. Every person in that city saved. Along with the salvation of thousands would also be miraculous, would be the miraculous in the areas of finances, healings, and deliverances of all kinds. And a return of entire areas to biblical living. Once again, right up until the Jesus coming in the rapture. I'd never heard of that before. But that's what I've been praying for over 12 years. So one day we were on our motorcycles. We were on our motorcycle ride heading up north. And we were going up through Spooner, up towards Trigo, Hayward. We were heading in that direction. And it was interesting, because as I was riding the motorcycle, we'd cross over the St. Croix River. Obviously, we crossed over it here. But then we crossed over it again. And then I crossed over it a third time. And I was like, huh, St. Croix River goes way up here. The river valley goes way up here. Isn't that interesting? And the Lord began to speak to me about the river valley being bigger than what I thought it was. We got to the hotel that night in uh, Solon Springs. <coughs> which I found out was on Lake St. Croix. Is it Lake St. Croix? Which just happens to be the headwaters of the St. Croix River Valley. And I sat there, and I just sat there and looked at that, that lake all night and was like, that prophecy said the headwaters. When it's, it'll start at the headwaters and move all the way down. So during those Wednesday prayer meetings for many, many months... As, I, as the Lord would lead me, I'd pray about the St. Croix Valley. And it was during that time we were praying for Somerset, Wisconsin one day. Something was going on at Somerset because stuff always goes on in Somerset. <laughs> Vile things. Horrible things. <laughs> Not everything is bad there, really, really. No, but you know, stuff happens over there. You know? So we were praying about it, praying for it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and says... There needs to be a church in, Saint Cro in, in Somerset. And i got to go really fast. I'm going to have to move around. Or, you get, or, do you, or do you have a little extra time? Do you like stories? I'm gonna, I, you need to hear all of this. So I began to pray for Somerset. Praying, you know, and the Lord kept leading me to pray about a church. I prayed for, for weeks about it at those prayer meetings. And here in my office, began to pray about it. Then one day, the Holy Spirit told me to get in my car and drive over there. So I drove over there. I drove over to Somerset, drove around the area, prayed, came, up, came back. It turned out where it was two to three days a week, I'd be led to drive over there, drive around the area and pray. Prayed and prayed. And at first I was really scared because I, was, I had just become the senior pastor of this church. And I thought, if we're supposed to start a church over there, how are we going to do this? Because I just started here. You know, I mean, I can't leave here and go over there. I mean, unless that's God's will. And I thought, what's going on? Kept praying about it. Went on, that, I went, that went on. I prayed for over two years. 
three days, two to three days a week, I'd drive over to Somerset, drive around it, sit in the park, sit all day, so on and so forth, and pray. Just asking God what, you know, to do what he wanted to do. His kingdom established on the earth. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Prayed it for over two years. Just never had a release to do anything. I wasn't supposed to do anything at that point about it. One day I was in a, in a meeting with a bunch of pastors from the area here. One of the pastors was the pastor of a small church who was struggling. They were having a hard time. They were renting from somebody else. The, the building they were in was kind of a bad situation for them. It wasn't working out well. And he was sharing it to us he was, as we were talking and praying and we were, we were you know, having fellowship. He said, yeah, he says, we're thinking about closing the doors. And we were all encouraging him not to. Don't do that. You know, we need, we need everybody here in the valley. Don't, you know, he's a good man. He's, he's an anointed man. He needs to, you know, they needed to keep going. But they were running about 20 people and in this rented facility. And it wasn't this great. It wasn't going very good. And he said, well, he says, we, we have really have two choices. Either we can close the doors or there is a place over in Somerset, Wisconsin we can rent. It hit me. Oh, my gosh. So we, I let everybody talk, and as they started to leave, I said, hey, can I talk to you for a little longer? i got some questions I want to ask you. And so I asked him some more questions about what, what God had been speaking to him, and he goes, yeah, he says, there's a building we can rent, and it's one of our members, and he's got this building he's not using, and they can, we can rent it as long as we need. It's actually pretty good, decent rent. And I said, you know, how did God you know, lead you otherwise? And he goes, yeah, this is what we're doing. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I said, I've been praying for Somerset for over two years. And I said, I think you need to know that, that God wants to start a church there. And I said, don't quit. Don't quit. Check, go, start, keep heading in that direction. See if God is leading you to do this, because I know I've been praying for it. And I said, I believe God wants to do something. They moved over there. They started renting. They immediately doubled in size. I went over there to visit him one day, and he goes, well, he says, here's the deal. He says, We're, they want us to buy the building. And he says, I don't think we can afford it. And goes off again and I, I just turned to him and I don't do this to, to people I don't usually say this and I turned to him and I said buy the building looked him right in the eyes I said buy the building he goes huh and I said you're supposed to buy the building just do it it's going to work out just fine buy the building and he's like really and I said I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost man buy the building they bought the building it's worked out perfectly they're now over a hundred people We've helped them out different ways. We've helped them out financially when they've needed help financially. We've, we, let, we loaned them a hundred of these chairs one time because I walked in one time and they, all they had like five chairs of each. 30, 30 chairs, five different kinds of chairs. I said, this looks like, a, this looks like a, a yard sale. And he goes, that was what we got. And I said, tell you what, I said, bring a truck over. I said, we've got a hundred chairs that are sitting up in our upstairs that we haven't used. You can have them until, you need, until you're done with them. They came over and got a hundred of our chairs and used them until we needed them back. We've helped them out in different ways, but the biggest thing was I didn't have to go do it. Praise God! That was awesome. And the burden for Somerset stopped. Once that got established, and once they were going, and they're still going today, there's still there's a wonderful ministry there. That burden lifted, and I was like, oh, good, okay, whew, move on, let's go, let's go get going with the church here. I was back here in my office, and all of a sudden that burden came back. But it wasn't a burden for Somerset, but it was a burden for somewhere in the River Valley. So for weeks, I would, I would you know, in my, in my spare time, 
I would pray. So be praying in my office and going, Lord, what's going on here? You know, I just, you, 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 there's a burden here. What's the deal? And after a period of time, it was a church. I knew it was another church. And I knew that God wanted us to be involved in starting, you know, doing something to help either a church get started or help a church or start a church. But I didn't know where. And I knew it was somewhere in the River Valley. So after a number of weeks, maybe even months, because this went on for two years, I felt led to get in my car and start driving the River Valley. So started out once a week, I would get in my car, drive down to Prescott, because that's the end of the River Valley, St. Croix River Valley, and then all the way up to St. Croix Falls, because was, there was a bridge there. You know, if I had faith, I could have drove over higher, but that's all the, you know, that's what I had faith for. I'm kidding, it was a joke. So, St. Croix Falls had a bridge, so I'd drive across the bridge, come back, and I'd pray the whole time. It'd take me, you know, I'd drive slow, and it took me most of the day. I'd stop for lunch, of course, because it was a wonderful, you know, good food along the river. That went on for years. Got to the point where I was doing it twice a week, three times a week. I just, it was just this growing burden to, to be praying for the St. Croix Valley. And pretty soon I knew it wasn't south. I knew it was north. And so I started driving just north, driving that area. Then it was, I knew it was St. Croix Falls or Taylor's Falls. So I'd hang out in both towns and I was praying in both towns. And then one day I knew it wasn't Taylor's Falls. I don't know how, I, I can't tell you how I knew it wasn't Taylor's Falls, but I knew it wasn't Taylor's Falls. So I started driving, hanging out just in St. Croix Falls, driving around it, sitting in the parks, doing whatever. Then, one night, the Lord said, go and spend the night there. So I went and I spent the whole night there, praying overnight. And it was about that time that he said, okay, now tell Pastor Dan what's on your heart. Tell him what's going on. And so I called Pastor Dan and I said, hey, Pastor Dan, here's the deal. I said, I think we're supposed to start a church in St. Croix Falls. And he goes, God's been speaking to me about starting something new, too. And so he and I started driving up there and driving around, praying, seeking his face. We prayed for a number of months, and then we realized, okay, it's time. We, gotta, we need to do this now. We need to start. And I told somebody else, just in passing, I mentioned to somebody, I said, yeah, I think we're going we're to be starting a church up in St. Croix Falls. And he goes, well, you know about the church that's for sale, right? And I said, no, because we've been looking for a building, and nothing seemed right. He goes, yeah, there's a, there's a building right on Highway 8, just south of Highway 8. He says, you should go check it out. We went up and checked it out, walked in the door, knew immediately this is what we were supposed to do. Kept praying about it, talked to the owner. It was up for sale. We bought it. Pastor Dan and Claudia, September of 2007, Pastor Dan and Claudia started the church in St. Croix Falls. For the next three plus years, almost four years, Pastor Dan and Claudia pastored that church, started it. I mean, that's the great thing about Pastor Dan and Claudia. You put Pastor Dan and Claudia, a glass of water, in a room and a church starts. <laughs> Just add water. So they went in and it was, it's wonderful. Talk about a great foundation. Deb and I were just up there this last weekend and it's just, I was so impressed, so amazed at what God's been doing and is still continuing to do. Two year, a little over two years ago, Pastor Dan and Claudia felt it was time for them to, to, move, to move on, do something different, and they installed uh, Paul and Sonia Hanser, Hansen, Paul, Pastor Paul and Sonia Hansen, as the pastors of the church there. And they've been pastoring, doing a wonderful job over the last few years, and just really being, being obedient and, and just being awesome, being uh, what God's called them to be. In May... Pastor Paul called me, and he, we got together for supper, and he said, 
he says, we've been praying, my wife and I have been praying, and, and we feel like it's, we're done. We feel like we need to be moving on. God's calling us to do something else. And so we talked about that, prayed about it, to see what, we should, what they should be doing, or they knew what they had on their heart to do. And I said, well, how, you know, do you know what's God? And they said, well, kind of, because we put our house up for sale and it sold in one day. And I said, okay, where are you going? And they said, well, we feel like we're supposed to go to Branson, Missouri. And I said, well, you know, do you have a place to go? And they said, not yet, but we will. But three weeks later, four weeks later, they had bought their dream place in Branson, Missouri. God just blessed them. I, can't, I don't want to go into all that story, but it's amazing. So they had it on their heart to, go, to move on. So now, for the last two months, we've been praying about how do we move forward with St. Croix Falls. How, how does God want to do that? And through prayer, through seeking Him, through just waiting and listening, um, we had, God, God gave us, has given us, and I'm, not, I'm just saying us because it's Deb and Pastor Dan and Claudia and other people that have been praying about it, have given us wisdom on what to do next. And what we're going to do is... Jonah and Amy Fetzer are going to be going up and being the next pastors of the church in St. Croix Falls. Now, now I, I've known you guys for three years since you've been coming here and knew a little bit about their background and so on and so forth. And the Friday night we met with Paul and Sonia and on Monday, or Sunday morning we're here during worship and uh, I was just in the middle of worship and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, have Jonah preach. And I said, today? And, and he said, no, you can give him a couple of weeks, you know, to get ready. But God will do that, you know. If, if, if he wants him, if, if, <laughs> if God wants one of you to preach at any given moment, I'll turn over the pulpit, I will, in a second. So be ready, just so you know you're ready. So... I turned around and there was Jonah standing there. So after, after worship, I walked right over and I said, Hey, Jonah, I'd like to have you preach. And he said, Today? And I, I said, No. I said, I'll give you a couple of weeks. You know, you can get something ready. And, and uh, so then we met for lunch that week. And uh, we were talking and just talking about, you know, getting ready to preach. And there's, you know, yada, yada, and talking about it. And I knew that he had graduated from Bible school 15 years ago. And had, uh, he had gone to Andrew Womack's Bible College in, in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Had graduated from there. And he said, you know what was interesting? Can I share this? I'm going to anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, we were talking about it. And, and he said, you know, it's really interesting. He said, because just that very morning, su- that Sunday morning, he had been reading the Word and just having his quiet time with the Lord. And he had closed the Bible and said, you know, Lord, 15 years ago I graduated from Bible school. And nothing's ever happened about it. Nothing ever, nothing ever seemed to just, you know, I mean, everybody else got jobs right away out of Bible school and started ministering around the world and doing all these things. But he started doing floors, wood floors, cabinets, woodworking. And God just never let. He said, he goes, Lord, what was that all about? What's that all about? You know, go to Bible school, 15 years, nothing. You know, did it, you know, did I miss you? Did I, you know, did, what's going on here? And then that morning was the morning... I asked him if he, wanted, if, he, if he would preach. God opened that door. Fifteen years. There must be something about this time between times things also. Hmm. It would make a good book, wouldn't it? And so, talking with him, praying about, and asked him if they would be interested, and, uh, and, they, and he said yes. And so last week, we actually went up to St. Croix Falls. We were on the youth 
uh, trip. I came down early, didn't miss the last service. Uh, they went up, and then uh, Tom and Rhonda Ludeman also came up. Because what's going to happen, because Jonah hasn't, hasn't been a pastor before, hasn't been uh, in full-time ministry, we want to break him in slowly. We don't want to break him. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and so we're going to do it slowly. We're going to take our time and, so, and, and get where he feels comfortable and have him learn the ropes, have him learn as we go along. And so in doing that, um, it's going to take a transition time, a transition period. And so what's going to happen is, is that uh, when Pastor Paul and Sonia, well actually starting right away, they're going to be going up there most Sundays and going to be at St. Croix Falls getting to know the people, getting to know what's going on in the church and finding out how things are working, being a part of prayer meetings and all the stuff that's going on during the week and getting, getting involved in the church on a regular basis. Then as Pastor Paul and Sonia move when they're done, and we don't have a date yet of when that's going to happen, when they are ready to go, then they'll, trans, they'll, they'll leave, and then, Pastor, or then uh, Jonah will be up there full time. In a transition time, though, what's going to happen is he, he needs some time to just get used to preaching. And, uh, you know, hasn't, hasn't preached for 15 years. And, and, uh, and so um, in that transition time, we're, I'm going to help him out. We're going to help him out. Um, for a couple of times a month, I'm going to be going up there and preaching there. And filling in and, and helping out there. One time a month, Tom is going to go up and preach. Tom Ludeman is going to go up and preach up there one time a month. And then Jonah is going to preach once a month up there. Then, one week or whatever, one month, one whatever, um, when he's feeling more comfortable, then he'll start doing two times a month. And either Tom or I will start to transition out. And then when he's ready, three times a month. And then four times, and then full time, and then we'll, we will transition out completely. So there'll be a transition period where I'll, we'll be helping out. He'll be doing everything that he can do, grow, you know, growing in that. And then as he feels more comfortable, we'll transition out. How long will that be? I don't know. It could be anywhere between three months and longer. I don't know. I don't have a set day. But in the meantime, I've been talking to other folks. Remember I said earlier in the spring that there's going to be other people sharing, other people preaching, and some have already done so. Um, there's going to be a, a number, at least twice a month, somebody's going to be preaching here. Now, why is that? Well, my heart has always been not to be the only person who stands up here. We have an amazing amount of gifted people, talented people, anointed people who can preach the word here. There's many of you. You know, when, I, when Deb and I first came here, I, I, I was praying, oh God, don't let me screw this up. Because there are an amazing amount of people here with, that are called, anointed, gifted, full of the word, who can share the word. And I was like, God, I don't know why you put all these people in one place. Well, now I'm starting to understand. And so for me to not allow that would be wrong. I'm a firm believer in, in uh, Ephesians 4.11. Train up the saints to do the work of the ministry. Training people, uh, releasing people to do what God's called them to do. And there are a number of people who can be preaching, and so we'll, there'll be a schedule we'll be going through that. And then, as time goes on, we'll transition out. Now, that's what's happening at St. Croix Falls. That's what's happening here in the valley. That's the first church that we started ourselves. The second church, I actually started driving north. Once that, once that burden lifted, 
Well, the next week, I jumped in my car, started driving north, because I'm, I'm getting ready to pray. And I get, started driving north, and the Holy Spirit says, where are you going? I said, well, I thought we'd be, you know, there'd be another church. And I just started, he goes, I didn't tell you to do anything. Go home. So I stopped and turned around and came back here and just started getting busy here. And as I was praying about it, the Holy Spirit said, the next one's going to start different. And it did. The, second, the next church in Grandy started different. Somebody came to me and was like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. How do I do it? And we helped them start it. And they're part of us. Up at St. Croix or in uh, River Valley Christian Church, Grandy. And the Lord is already starting to give us other new opportunities. This last week, we were at uh, the, the youth camp. And on Saturday, uh, the guy who runs the youth camp, runs the camp, came in and he says, Hey, Pastor John, he says, can I talk to you about something real quick? I only met this guy once before, three days before. He walks up to me and he says, and he goes, uh, I have something I want to talk about. He says, I really feel like I'm supposed to talk to you about this. He says, our church up in Ironwood, Michigan, the pastor there is retiring and we can't find a, a, a replacement pastor for him. I feel like I'm supposed to ask you to help us do that. And immediately I know who to talk to. It's not me. It's not any of you, I don't believe. But I knew what I was supposed to do next. And it was just cool how the conversation continued to move forward. It just confirmed what was on my heart. And so on Tuesday, this other person and I are going to go up from a, a friend of ours over in Menominee. We're going to go up and talk to the elders and the pastors and just, see, just hear their heart and see what God wants to do. I believe that we're going to be involved in helping that church with a pastor. Will they become part of us? I don't know. Will, how will that happen? I don't know. But this is, God is opening more and more doors for his kingdom everything we've been talking about, to continue to expand. Where? In Judea, our area. God started with me with, with two counties. That was, that was my Judea. I, I, was pretty, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it all. Then it was the St. Croix River Valley, and then it was from Solon Springs to Prescott, and now it's Minnesota and Wisconsin. We'll see how God leads. Amen? So, <laughs> the youpers, yes, the youpers. <laughs> So, this morning, what we want to do is we want to license Jonah to be a, min a full-time minister and uh, pray for him, set him aside as, as, uh, as a minister, and prepare him for the, for the work that he's called to. Amen? Amen? Amen. Jonah and Amy, why don't you come up also, please? Pastor Greg, Carrie, Debbie, could you come up also? Guys, why don't you step on over right up here? That'd be great. So now, Jonah has been, and I believe, you know, he has a call of God in his life to be a pastor. Now, Amy doesn't. <laughs> Much like Debbie doesn't, and Pastor Kerry doesn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. <laughs> and that's, you know, Pastor Claudia was a pastor. That was, that was her call. Sonia, you know, they called her, they, she was a pastor. Not everybody, is always, not, not everybody is always called that way. So this morning we're going to pray for, for Jonah. We're going to lay hands on him, anoint him with oil, setting him into that position, licensing. And the way, the way we do this here is we license, which gives him all of the authority and rights legally to do all the things that a pastor does. And 
Lots of those things that go on. And then over time, we watch. You know, because we watch, and, 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 and I believe that a person's life needs to be proved. And anyone who, who is in the ministry, called to the ministry, needs to prove themselves. And that takes time. It isn't something that happens overnight. It isn't something that happens quickly. It's something that, that time, and time is a wonderful test, tester. And over time, then we, then we move forward with the next step, which is ordination and so on and so forth. And so join with me as we pray for Jonah and Amy. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. Praise you, Father. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our world today. And thank you, Father, for the call and the, the vision that you have set before us, this church, to be a part of our Judea, our region, this St. Croix River Valley from, from Solon Springs to, to Prescott and 100 miles in either direction and beyond. Father, we're, I'm learning not to limit you into what you want to do and how you want to use us. And so, Father, I take off the limits. Publicly, Lord, I take off the limits of, of your vision, your heart for us. And I pray, Father, that as this day, as we install Jonah into this office, the office of the pastor, as we license him legally, according to the laws of the, the state, that you are calling him. We recognize, I recognize the call of God on his life. I recognize the purpose for which he, is, he was created. And I thank you, Father, that as he does this, as he steps forward in this call, that your hand is always upon him. Thank you, Lord, that he's not being called by men, but by you. And he's responsible first to you. And I thank you, Father, that as he takes these steps forward, that his life will show forth the fullness of your anointing on his life. Father, your word says that a person who desires to be an overseer must be faithful, beyond reproach, husband of but one wife, have a family who's in order, and that Jonah and Amy fit all of those requirements. They have been faithful to you and to this place all this time. They've been faithful to follow you wherever you've led them to go. Faithful and willing to honor you with their lives. Father, I recognize that. And we today recognize that as, as a congregation. Father, we lay our hands upon Jonah right now. And we thank you that this call, this anointing, everything that he needs to be a pastor, everything he needs to be a leader in your, in your church is bestowed upon him even now. That he is filled with every good thing, every anointing, every power, every authority that he needs to rightly lead people. Father, I ask for wisdom for him. Father, we ask for wisdom above and beyond his own ability 
to see and to know and to understand your perfect will and how to, to govern and lead people in your call. Thank you, Father, for your hand upon him, your anointing upon him to fulfill this call all the way to the end. Strength, power, ability, all the way to the end. Lord, he will finish stronger than he starts. That every day in your presence will be glory to glory. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing here and now today. Father, the gifts and talents and, uh, and anointing you've placed on me, Lord, I freely give right now. And the same with Pastor Greg. Father, we share willingly everything that you've given us for him to use for your kingdom. And Father, we lift up Amy right now. Father, we know that when a husband is called, a wife is also called. There isn't always a title placed on it, but Lord, there is definitely a heart to lift him up, to teach and lead their family in the, in the ways that they should go, but also the strength that she's going to need to walk this walk with Jonah. Father, we thank you for Amy. And we thank you for the anointing she receives right now to fulfill everything you've called her to do. And that she will never feel alone. She will never feel abandoned. And that she will always know that you're right there in the midst of it with them. And I thank you, Lord, for their children having a hedge of protection around them. And that those kids are going to grow up strong. Those kids are going to grow up in power. And they are going to have a, a, an amazing testimony of their own. And that as they grow up, that they will be witnesses of life everlasting. Thank you, Father, for this family. Lord, we as a congregation now surround them. And we agree in the name of Jesus that they are protected. They are supplied for. They are cared for. And that we always have their back. That we're always beside them. That we always will put our lives out in front of them to help them. That they are always surrounded by you, the Holy Spirit, but also by this congregation and the other churches in, in the River Valley. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for their call and their anointing. Lord, we celebrate who you've called them to be today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. <laughs> I asked him if there was anything he wanted to say and said, not right now. <laughs> I understand.
Praise the Lord. God's good. And he has a plan. And we're all part of that. Now, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, we pray for them. We pray for them. They're going to need lots of prayer. The church needs lots of prayer. It's a good church. But as, as we know, all churches need prayer. We need to be checking up on them. We need to be involved. If the Lord leads you to give them a call, give them a call. Encourage them. Help them out. Do whatever, do whatever you feel like you're supposed to do. Kind of like what we said with the, with the church or with the missions is we, we pray, we go, and we give. Same thing here. We pray, we go and help when we need to. And we give. And God always supplies. God will always supply. And for whatever he has continually in this area. Now, last and certainly not least, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is your hometown, your area, your influence. Wherever that may be, your workplace, your community, your neighborhood, your school. Where you are right now, it's just, you don't have to be called and, and have a pastor's name or a title of some sort. You are called and you are anointed to be and to lead the kingdom of God in the area that he's put you. Amen? Amen. Amen.